Thanks, Nathan. I'm just going to move some things around. As uh, people know, I'm not a big fan of uh, having a lectern between me and people. Um, Does anybody have a sense of expectation in the room? Uh, Just as Nathan was saying and encouraging us to say, this is going to be a significant... So I can't remember how I phrased it. Now, this is going to be a great series for us. I want to encourage you to have that expectation. I, I believe that this will be a very significant season for us as a church as we start to look at and address fears in our lives and help one another to actually overcome fear. Fear is such a powerful thing. Um, and it has such a profound effect on many, many of our lives. As we were worshipping, I was just reminded uh, of um, the journey language we've been using. We've talked about going on a journey as a church and what we put in the car or the vehicle of our journey, what we load in and what we don't load in, and saying that actually there'll be good things we don't put in as well as bad things we don't put in because actually we need to take what's right for this journey. And I think fear can so often be one of those factors which will... Make us want to put things in because, well, what happens if? Well, yeah, I don't know about you. I'm one of those people. I like to be prepared. You know, if, and I, I hate throwing things away and leaving things behind. My garage is a testimony to that. Our house is amazing. The garage is a disaster. Um, the, the garage has items left over from many, many build projects which have moved house many, many times because they may be helpful one day. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Well, And you know, we're obviously wired similarly. The problem, though, for people who are wired like us, just you and me, Sean, <laughs> there's a certain wife pointing at a certain husband. I won't embarrass Gordon by saying who it was. Um, <laughs> uh, is if we aren't careful, actually we can try and hold on to things that God's saying, hey, it's time to let go of. And some of these things are actually good things. It's not that they're wrong. It's just it's time for change. Now, when it comes to fear, fear can so often cause us to respond and react in ways which actually aren't helpful or appropriate for us. And so as we come into this uh, Series, And we're, we're going to be doing these preachers, by the way, every other week. So we've got plenty of time to stop and reflect before we go on to the next stage. Because these, these preachers will build on one another over the next four occasions, including today. I want to encourage us. Let's have that attitude which says, Father, would you show me where I'm living out of fear in my life? That's a dangerous prayer to pray. But it's a great prayer to pray. Would you help me to see where fear's got control? Would you give me faith, courage, good people alongside me to help me walk free of fear? I want to encourage us. Let's pray prayers like that over this season. Because I believe that this series will be fundamental and foundational to where we're going as a church. And so the challenge for us, I guess, is going to be, if it is going to be fundamental and foundational, will we engage with it or will we let it just pass us by and go, well, it's for other people, it's not for me. It's for the keenies. It's for those who are life group leaders. They're always the, you know, they're the ones who can engage with stuff like this. It's not for everybody. No, it's for all of us. It's for all of us. Fear. Even the very word can summon up a whole load of emotions. One of the greatest challenges we face in life is recognizing and dealing with fear. Many of us will even use other words to avoid having to use the F word. We may use words such as anxiety or concern. Maybe we'll even go into worry, but no, not fear. No, we know fear is wrong. As Christians, we've been trained to say, well, fear is definitely wrong. But it's okay to be anxious or worried or concerned. Even as I say that, some of you will be going, 
Yeah, I'm not sure I like that. Now, of course, they're not the same word, but sometimes we hide behind a different word because we don't like what the F word, the fear word, actually suggests. It may suggest you failure. You may say, well, I know I'm not meant to fear as a Christian, therefore I'm not going to use the fear word. I'll just be concerned. And we play word games in our heads. But the reality is, actually, whether we like it or not, really what we're talking about is fear. Of course, all of these words, anxiety, concern, worry, fear, they all reflect something. They reflect emotions. And emotions are good things. They're things given to us by God. They're part of what makes us as people. But we need to remember that emotions are there to serve us, not control us. They're there to help us. They help us to, help us to reflect, to help us to grow. And you know, there is even, just to be clear, times where actually there's a right fear. You may say, oh, hell, I thought you said fear was wrong. But there are times where there is such a thing as right fear. Uh, you know, if there was to be a black mamba snake just happened to come up the, 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 the disabled ramp here, the, the, the access ramp here, I would not continue to be standing here. If you know anything about snakes, it's one of the most aggressive snakes. It doesn't need a reason to attack. Uh, it's not the sort of snake which runs off. It is the snake which goes for people. And uh, I've had experience of that member when I was living in Swaziland many, many years ago in my gap year. And uh, it's not a snake you want to have to deal with. And personally, if I saw a black member snake, not that I'm sure I'd recognise it, but if I did and it had a nice label on it saying black member snake coming up the aisle at this moment in time, you would find that I would be moving quite fast. And uh, it would be one of those leadership moments where it would be, follow me. (laughs) So not all fear is bad. Some will actually help us to live life well. So it's distinguishing what's good and what's, what's not good, what's not helpful. And so, as I've said, this is the beginning of a series. We're going to unpack this over a number of weeks. So you may go, well, actually, you haven't covered everything this week. No, you have to come back in two weeks' time for the next stage, and then two weeks after that, and two weeks after that. But we're going to take time to consider and understand how can we overcome fear. Even do we need to overcome fear? What sort of fear do we need to overcome? And what's going on in my life which the Father would be wanting to draw me and help me in, in dealing with? So this week is, is a, it's a broad overview. Can I uh, make this observation? The temptation to give way to fear is probably one of the greatest temptations most of us will struggle with in aspects of our lives. It's what we will be confronted with on a regular basis. Of course, fear comes in all sorts of different packages. So it could be fear of things. My example of the black mamba snake, I have a healthy uh, dislike of those. Uh, It could be a fear of situations. I don't like being in a situation where I'm not in control, perhaps. It could be a fear of people. What people think. What they say. How they perceive us. It could be a fear of what people do or could do to us, of rejection, of bullying, of being bullied, of abuse. It may be a fear of standing out from the crowd, of speaking truth. Of being unpopular. Of putting your head and shoulders above the parapet where others may take a pot shot at you. It may arise at work. At home. At school or college. It may particularly arise in a, a certain relationship. Maybe your relationship with your spouse or your parents or your children or your neighbours, or your boss, 
or your work colleagues. It, it, it will be very situational for each of us. Our situations where we have the challenge, the temptation to fear will be different in our lives. And therefore we can't just say, well, it's all the same because the, the, what's behind it, the roots behind it, what it looks like for us, what the triggers are for each of us will be different. One thing, though, which may be common is this. It may be that you feel assailed on every side, attacked on every side, undermined at every step, and knowing that we aren't meant to be fearful as Christians, easily condemned. Fear is invidious. It creeps in. It tries to shape and mould and affect us. Where does it come from? Well, it can come from all sorts of roots. It can come from past experiences, which we haven't dealt well with. Experiences perhaps where we felt vulnerable, where things didn't work out as we hoped they would work out. It comes from when we've experienced emotional ordeals in our lives. Perhaps at times of sickness or illness. Times of emotional lows or highs even. Times where we felt vulnerable. It also comes through society. Society creates fears by what we talk about. I'm part of that generation, I guess, like many of you in this room, who grew up with the threat of nuclear war. In the 1980s, there were so many, so many TV programs, 19, late 70s, early 80s, so many TV programs about nuclear holocaust and survivors from nuclear holocaust. And all that. It, 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 was, it was common talk at the time. That can get into us and create fear. What's going to happen? Society can create fear through all sorts of ways. It can also come on us because of attack from the evil one because he knows that fear can disempower us it can disable Christians it can cause us to not live out the life we're called to live and he loves that and he used lies and doubt he sows those things into our hearts to try and make us live out of fear What's what's very clear, though, is fear can, and if given space, will control our lives. It will limit how we live our lives. It will try to stop us growing in faith, or even try and kill our faith off. It will try and restrict us and limit us in what we do, in what we say, and how we live. In so many ways, it's the opposite to faith. It's one of the great ways which Satan uses to disempower Christians. And yet, even within that, Satan will lie to us and say it's a place of safety. A place of security. That actually living out of your fears is somewhere where it it creates control. It, 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 it It empowers you to control circumstances so that you are safe. The problem even with that, though, is whether you're in control or God. Fear is far more common in the Christian church than most of us will ever admit to. And even as I'm speaking this at this moment in time, There will be some of us here who are thinking, yep, I'm not going to talk about it now. And I don't want to think about it now. And I don't want to hear what you've got to say about it now. And you'll be reacting in your spirit to it because you'll be thinking, but I I don't want to have to address these things. Because if I do, I've got to admit that I feel like I failed because fears had control in my life. Or because that means it's going to look like change. And I don't know what change looks like. And change creates a sense of insecurity and All sorts of other reactions. 
But even in pausing and just thinking that way just for a moment, see how it can control your life. If we're going to be a people who are really real, that is genuine, this is something that we need to start to talk about openly. Something which we need to help one another with. It's not the only thing. But it's one of those things which is probably going to hold us back on our journey with God unless we deal with it. And it needs calling out in our lives. Calling out by us. It's not, it's not down to us to call it out in other people's lives. <laughs> Jesus is very clear. First of all, deal with, the, deal with the plank in your own eye before you try and take the speck out of your brother's eye. But we need help. We need to help one another out of love, out of genuine care, to be really real and to call this stuff out and start to deal with it. And of course, just to say, while the enemy would say, oh, you're unique, your fear is unique, while he would try to isolate, while he would try to uh, push us and condemn us into a corner and squash our lives, let's understand this is actually reality. The challenge of fear, the temptation to fear, is reality in virtually everybody's lives. One of my heroes, Nelson Mandela, he said this. I learnt, this is when he was on Robin Island. I, th- I think he said it when he was, uh, he learnt this when he was on Robin Island. I learnt that courage wasn't the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does, who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. In Christ, my hope is over this season, we're going to learn together how we can conquer fear, how we can overcome fear. So as ever, if we're going to talk about something like this and we need to develop our thinking, we need to turn to the word of God. We need to turn to God, we need to turn to his word. So if you've got your Bible with you, can you please turn to Uh, A part you may not have looked at very much before, 1 John. It's uh, one of John's letters right towards the end of the Bible. Get past all all of Paul's letters and Hebrews and that sort of stuff. And then you'll find uh, the letters of Peter and then the letters of John. 1, 2, 3 John uh, and then Jude and then the book of Revelation right at the end of your Bible if that helps you to find it. And we're going to turn to chapter 4. And we're going to start at verse 7. For some of you, you'll go, oh yes, that's this passage. I know the passage you're going to. Because it's one of those passages which sometimes get quite commonly quoted. It's probably one of the passages people refer to when talking about fear in the Bible. It's a great place to start. Dear friends, so this is 1 John 4 verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever loves does not, uh, sorry, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. For our sins. Dear friends, since God God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he's given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour. Of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. 
And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. And God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us. So that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he's given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And Father, we ask as we consider your word, would you stir it in our hearts, place it deep in our hearts, that it would yield great fruit. Would you transform our minds, how we see ourselves, how we see you, how we think. And Lord, would you lead us to living out that freedom you have for us. That we would be a blessing to the ends of this earth. A demonstration of the love of God to a world desperately in need of it. For the glory and honour of your name. Amen. Amen. So, 1 John chapter 4. Quite a long passage we've read. I'm not going to work through it verse by verse. Just to say, though, that I think sometimes we can be quoted those couple of verses or even just half a verse. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and not understand the context in which this is written. And that's why I was very keen to read a broader part of the passage. We need to understand that these first verses of this passage which we've read are actually all about, uh, and therefore the context in which this uh, comment about fear is all about actually how we are to love one another and enjoying the love of God together. We have an encouragement, a strong encouragement, that actually, friends, we are to love one another well. That that is a demonstration of the love of God in our hearts and lives. And then we come to this verse. Then we come to these, these very challenging verses, what I've called verse 16b, the second half of verse 16, which I really want us to focus on. Where it starts with this. God is love. Wow. What a statement. What a powerful statement. When people say, who is God? What is God? God is love. Wow, what a powerful statement. That's the essence of who God is. That's where we all need to start. That's the, that's the starting point. To understand anything of a relationship with God or anything else, we need to understand that at the heart of God, the essence of God, is love. He is the definition of love. He is the embodiment of love in his son, Jesus. He is the, uh, everything we need to know about love we will find in God. It's interesting to note, nowhere else in the Bible does it say things like, um, uh, he, God isn't revealed elsewhere as holiness or righteousness. He's revealed as holy. He's lovingly holy. He's lovingly holy righteous but when it comes to love he is love what a powerful statement what an incredibly powerful statement so we are being called to understand who God is first of all he's love and then in the context of this passage we're to understand therefore we are to love one another we are to love one another. We're called to understand the love of God and then live out that love of God to one another. What a wonderful thing. So when we come to talk about fear, which we will get on to, don't worry. When we come to talk about fear, let's understand, first of all, we need to understand what the love of God is. 
We need an encounter with the love of God. We need to uh, have grabbed hold of what it is to be loved by Almighty God. Do you know the love of God? Can I just ask that question? Hallelujah. Somebody said yes. I don't know who it was, but well done. I'm glad. Brian, thank you for saying yes. There's one of us who knows the love of God. Any more bits? Yes. Many of us do. Can I just say, though, if you're here today and you don't know the love of God yet, it has been revealed. It's been revealed in Scripture. It's been revealed in Christ Jesus coming to die for the sins of mankind that we could be restored to a relationship with Almighty God, with all of our sin dealt with. Today, you can know the love of God in your heart and life and be shaped and defined by that love. And your life can be transformed. That is the good news of, of, of the gospel of Jesus. That is the good news. And if you're here today and you don't yet know the love of God, if you haven't yet had that revelation that God loves you so much that he allowed his son to die for you, that's possible today. And we'd love to help you find out more. Just have a chat with the person next to you or the person who brought you or come and have a chat with myself or Nathan or one of the other leaders of the church. We'd love to help you. Do you know this love is perfect? That's what it says in verse 17. In this way, love is made complete amongst us. This love, when it talks about that phrase, made complete, it's a very unusual phrase which is used. But actually what he says is it's perfectly perfect. Or it's completely complete. He's making a point. There, there's, no, there's, no, there's, there's no problems with this love. There's nothing we need to worry about whether there's any imperfections in it. It is absolutely perfect. And we can know it. Perfect love. Perfectly perfect love. Is that wonderful? We can know perfectly perfect love. And why? So that we may have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. Friends, there's a day of judgment coming. There's a day coming when every single person in this room, every single person in Alton, every single person in the world is going to have to stand before the throne of God. And give an account for their life. That is, explain how we've lived our lives. Those who know the perfect love of God don't need to fear that day. We come with confidence. We can come with confidence before the throne of Almighty God. Of a holy God who's so pure and holy we never ever would naturally in our own selves be able to approach him because he is so holy. And yet we can come because of Christ Jesus before that throne of God. That, because the love's been perfected and it's been lavished on us in Christ Jesus. And in Christ Jesus we can know that perfect love of God. Hence there's no fear in this love. We don't need to be fearful in this love. We don't need to worry about what it's going to be like. The punishment for our sin and shame was put on Jesus. And he paid the price. He paid the price that we never need to fear Almighty God. We ne- in, a, in a wrong sense, we don't have to approach that throne that day uh, with dread or, or anything like that. We can approach it with confidence because Jesus has done everything for us. Because his perfectly perfect love has been lavished on us. It's completely, it's completed totally. We don't need to have fear. And that is the essence of this passage. We don't need to fear. We don't need to fear coming to the throne of God. But equally, actually, in the midst of this, don't forget, Paul is actually writing to us about how we can love one another and how we are to love one another. 
And you see, that, that, that absence of fear we have before the throne of God means actually we can have an absence of fear also. We can conquer fear in our lives today. This isn't just about the end time, the point where we stand before the throne of God. No, he's saying, hey, friends, this is about how we love one another today. This is about how we love one another today. This perfect love of God is here to be demonstrated in and through our lives today. How we love one another. He goes, oh, it's not like he even stops there. He he reminds us that after having made this amazing statement about fear, he says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God yet hates his brother, he's a liar. Wow, that's a strong statement. That's a challenging statement. Are you falling out with somebody? Do you hate your brother, your sister? Do you hate somebody? You may need to stop and reflect on that. How can it be? You know the love of God. What's gone wrong? What's gone wrong? Has fear got in your heart? You've been hurt? No, God's perfect love is available. Which drives out fear. Which brings freedom. Which brings liberty. In other words, let's let this perfect love, let it it into our hearts and lives, let it shape the whole of our hearts and lives. Let it define who we are. Let it define how we live, how we behave. Let it therefore deal with those things which would try and limit or restrict how we live our lives. Things like fear, fear of rejection, fear of shame, fear of punishment. Fear of what other people think. All those different fears we talked about earlier on. Those things which can so easily control our lives. Say, hey, no, come on. Let the perfect love of God in. Let the perfect love of God in. Fear can and will stop us loving one another well. Fear can and will stop us loving Alton, your part of the town or the village you live in around here. Fear can and will stop us in so many ways being the people that God has called us to be if we give it space in our lives. Fear will stop us expressing love to the the checkout person at Sainsbury's or at Tesco Metro or at Tesco Express or wherever it may well be. Fear, if we give it space, will inhibit us and stop us in perhaps dealing with issues amongst us. Are we going to be a people of love or fear? Are we going to let the love of God shape us? Are we going to let fear creep in? Fear of what people think, fear of rejection, fear of what people say. Fear of what people will do. Driving us, perhaps, to control. Control situations, to control our lives, to control others. Driving us to live for the approval of others. To achieve certain things, to prove our worth, our value. Or are we going to deal with fear? In Romans 8, it says this, We don't receive a spirit who makes us a slave again to fear, but we receive a spirit of sonship, which cries out, Abba, Father. We've got a choice. Are we going to receive that spirit of sonship? Are we going to let it just dominate and shape and define our lives live out of the sonship of God the perfect love of God the perfect love which we just talked about which is manifest in Christ Jesus or are we going to go back to slavery that's the option sonship or slavery I know which one I prefer what about you what choices are you making 
Fear will drive us one way or the other. Now, as I said, this is a a four-part series, so I'm going to sort of pause at this point and not develop these thoughts any further. Those who are following me in the preaching series may already be thinking, Andrew, you've gone far further than we said we were going to go. And apologies, uh, Christine and Sean, who will be following me, if you, if you feel that's the case. Um, what I do want to do, though, is just try and help us apply this very practically for today. You see, we've got a gift week today. Now, I don't know what your reaction is to a gift week, but I think most of us probably may not go, whoopee! It's the beginning of a gift week. Maybe you do. Wonderful if you do. And, you know, we, we, we put these leaflets out a couple of weeks ago saying, you know, this is, this is what we're looking to try and achieve over these two gift weeks. We explained if you've not had one of those, they're available on the table over there. Do pick one up because there's really helpful information there. When we approach something like a gift week, or when we even just approach talking about money, which, let's face it, we all need to remember, Jesus spoke more about than virtually anything other than the kingdom of God. And he said some very, very challenging things to do with the love of money and the love of Jesus. And saying we had a choice, but you can't do both. When we come to something like a gift week, therefore, It'd be very easy for fear to take control. So let me give you a couple of examples of how fear may be affecting some of us, even today, as we approach this gift week. For some of us, it may be this. It may be if I don't give enough, then there won't be enough, and actually there is a fear which is driving you to give. A fear that actually we won't be able to pay our mortgage, perhaps, as a church. Or we won't be able to get on with the building improvements which we need to do in order to make this more and more effective in terms of how we reach out to and serve our community, which is part of what this gift week is about. And actually, you may think, well, surely that's a good thing. Don't you want us to give? Out of fear, the answer is no. If you've come here today and you're planning on giving, even if you're planning on putting the whole £700,000 which we still owe on our mortgage in the offering and you're doing it out of fear, please don't. Everybody else in the church is going, what? Of course we want them to do that. No, we don't. Don't give out of fear. Please don't give out of fear. The trustees at this moment in time are wanting to shoot me. They're not really. While we want to be part of a church and express our faith in Jesus, whilst we want to give and give in all sorts of different ways, whether it's giving our time and our energy, our money, our skills, our hearts, let's do it out of faith, not fear. Fear will drive us and control us into situations and circumstances. Fear will lead us to uh, resentment later on. It will lead us to the older brother syndrome, to law and legalism. It will dominate and control our lives. Please don't give out of fear. That's why... In 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Paul says, Each man should give what he's decided in his own heart to give, not under compulsion. Why? For God loves a cheerful giver or a hilarious giver. The Father is looking for submissive obedience, not controlled legalism pushed into a corner. He's not doing that. We're not doing that. Okay, this gift week isn't about we've got to perform. This is an opportunity, though, instead for us to express faith. It's an opportunity for us to go, wow, hasn't God been good? And yeah, I'm absolutely committed to this church and I want to express this commitment to this church and to what God's doing amongst us and to uh, the vision we have and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, great. That's faith. Let's give out of that motive. Now, of course, the other side of the uh, the flip side of the coin could be well I'm not sure I can give 
I'm afraid that if I give, I won't have. What happens if something goes wrong? Will God provide for me? What happens if I give that? Well, then I, and, and, and the fridge freezer breaks. The car breaks down. I, that's my rainy day pot. That's my, my insurance pot. Can I really afford to give? I've got this and that, and I've got a plan for this and that and the other. And, and of course, actually, only you can answer this question. We do need to have wisdom, but we don't want to let fear control. When we move into the territory of fear, we're losing the battle. If fear is saying to you today, don't give, I want to encourage you to ask the question, what is faith saying? What's faith saying? Can you trust God to provide for your needs? I can tell you, he's called Jehovah Jireh. That is God who provides for our needs. I can tell you that he's faithful. I can tell you that he's good. I could tell you stories of our, in, our, our, in our own personal lives of how God's provided for us time after time after time in all sorts of amazing and unusual ways. But ultimately, you need to trust him. You can't do it on my trust. You need to make that, that choice, that faith decision. How are you going to trust him? Are you prepared to trust him? I can tell you he's trustworthy. Ultimately, though, putting your trust in him, that's your choice. So today, as we, take up our, as we start our gift week, and as we take up this special offering, please don't give out of compulsion. And please don't not give because of fear either that God won't supply your needs. But instead, can I urge all of us to submit ourselves to God, to put our faith in him, to trust him, and to step out in obedience to what he would want us to do. And you may say, well, I don't know what he wants me to do. Well, that's why we put out that leaflet and said, please go away and think and pray. And, you know, you may not be ready today. You may need to go away and go, I'm going to go away and, and pray. That's fine. We've got a second offering next week. We do it over two Sundays deliberately to allow time to hear God and to sense him and to be able to respond. What's my part to play in this, Father? Great prayer to pray. If we all do that, we'll have ample So as we conclude, friends, can we see how fear, the opposite to faith, can control our lives? It can become a dictator. The more space you give it in your life, the more it will demand of your life. Let's start to learn together how we can overcome fear, how we can resist the temptation to fear. Let's keep looking at Jesus. He's totally trustworthy. We can rely on him. You may be saying, Andrew, well, this is all very well and good. Clearly, you don't know what it's like, though. You're right, I don't. I don't know what your life's like. I'm not living your life, I'm living my life. But what I can tell you is this, two things. God's word is true and truth. And if it's well applied in our lives, it will yield fruit. Because God is faithful and good. It is, his word is a reflection of who God is in himself. He is revealed in his word as a truthful, holy, loving father who loves his creation and wants his creation to know him well. And therefore we don't need to wrongly fear him. But we can trust him totally with our fears. And he will work those through in our lives. And he will help us to overcome them and to walk free. And then I, secondly, I can tell you my own story. My own story is, until I was a Christian, became a Christian at 18, my life was pretty much dominated really by anxiety, by fear, by worry. 
That's just how my life was. I was riddled with fear. And when I became a Christian, guess what? It didn't all change. But God, in his great mercy and grace, brought me peace. And as he brought me peace and taught me about his peace, he then started to unpick some of the things which had created those fears in my life. And as I started to trust him in those, he then unpicked some more things. And gradually, over a number of years, I found that God started to deal with my fears. Because God's faithful. He loves his children. So we can trust him. So my story is, over time, I found that God has helped me overcome fears. Am I tempted to fear? Absolutely. Do I give way to the temptation to fear? I try very hard in Christ not to. Sometimes I win. Sometimes I get it wrong. Most of the time now, I win. And I'm so grateful for the grace of God at work in my life. That's a journey, though. And each one of us have got a journey to go on together. And you know, that's the great thing about things like this. When we're part of a church, we don't have to stand alone and think, I've got to do all this by myself. Let's do it together. Um, I don't know whether it's possible to get a, um, a word to our kids' workers. We are going to slightly overrun. Is it possible just to get a message to the kids' team, please? Thank you. Aaron, I'd just love you to come very, very concisely and quickly share that word, please. Mic number two, David, please. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. That's a word of love from a father who's concerned for his child. That may be a word of love from Father God for you today. All words such as that need to be weighed. Go away. Take it away. Talk to others. Pray it back to God to see if that's word for you today. We're going to um, take up our offering in a moment. And uh, we're going to just celebrate the goodness of God. Can I uh, invite the band, if you'd like to start heading back, that would be really helpful. On your chairs, hopefully you've got something which looks like this. You may not have it on the chair you're sitting on, but hopefully it's on a chair near you. And it's a, it's a pledge form. It's a Building Fund Gift Day Pledge Form 2018. Um, if you've been part of this church sometime, you'll probably think it looks very familiar. It is in remarkably similar, uh, apart from the, the last number on the date, which has gone from 2017 to 2018. It is identical, I believe, to the ones you would have seen last year. It's got three parts to it. Well, uh, first of all, you, you need to put your name, your email or phone number or both on there. If you are planning on making a gift, but you haven't got the money available today... You may want to fill in part one, a one-off gift. I would like to pledge the following amount to Harvest Church, redeemable in the next three months. We just say the next three months because uh, it just gives a bit of a time frame. If it's going to be four months, don't worry about it. You can always cross out three and write four in there. Or I'd like to start regular giving to our building fund. That's number two. And I'd like to do a regular gift of this per month, number of months or open-ended start date. It's fairly self-explanatory. And then thirdly is, I want to continue or increase regular giving. You may think, well, I've not got anything extra I can give, but my heart commitment is still in giving to the building fund. I'm already doing so. I just want to restate my commitment. And you can use number three, or you may want to increase that commitment to giving to our building fund. Can I just highlight, please, if you are not regular giving yet to our general fund, actually, that's where we start. We start by giving to the general fund. And then that's, that's, where, that's the place for our regular giving, our committed giving to the church, okay? 
That's for our tithes, as it were. This is a special offering. So if, if you're thinking, actually, I, I, I'm not giving regularly to the church at the moment, then please start by giving regularly to our general fund. And you can pick up details in the giving leaflet, which is available on the table and also in the rack outside in the lobby uh, of, of the general fund and how to give to the general fund. And um, then on the back, you'll find that our bank details are there. So if you want to make an internet transfer, you can. If you want to set up a standing order, uh, you can for regular giving. If you um, have got money with you today, and if, if it's cash, and you are a gift aid giver, so you pay tax and you filled in a gift aid form, or you're happy to fill in a gift aid form today, and uh, you want to put cash in the offering... If you filled in a gift aid form, we get an extra 25%, but we have to be able to prove who it's come from. We need a paper trail. And so if you're planning on putting cash in the offering and you filled in a gift aid form, can I encourage you to get one of these brown envelopes? Again, they're on the table over there. And um, you just put your name on it, put your money inside, uh, and you can tick actually which fund it's for. Um, Today's offering is particularly for our building fund. Um, but actually, as a general principle, you can do that with cash on any offering, and there's also a tick there for a general fund or caring fund. If it comes in today's offering, we will assume it is for the building fund unless you clearly indicate otherwise, but it would be good if you could put a tick next to building fund just so it is completely clear. I hope that makes sense. If you're writing a cheque, cheques are made payable to the Greenhouse Trust. Greenhouse Trust Buildings, sorry. Greenhouse Trust Buildings. Hopefully all that makes sense. Um, What we're going to do is we're going to just celebrate God together. And this first song, uh, actually, we're just going to not take up the offering. Okay, stewards, please don't start taking up the offering during this first song. It's an opportunity for us to stop and reflect and think, Lord, what do you want me to give? You may need to go and get some paperwork from the table over there. You can go and do that. And then uh, we'll, I hope, have a second song if that's okay. Yeah, good. Not looking too worried. And um, uh, we'll take up our offering during our second song. You know, the reason we're going to do this in song is because songs are, uh, are one of our forms of worshipping God. And this offering is another form of how we worship God. We say, God, you're in control. You're in command. After that, there will be an opportunity for ministry for anyone who wants to receive prayer uh, as a result of uh, this morning's message. <laughs>